And the lords of the Philistines noticed they passed in review by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. So here they are, the Philistine army is going out into battle against the Jews, and in the very back is Achish and his army, because remember, there were many um, towns, many cities going to battle together, and David and his men are in the rear of this battle array that's going against his own people. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When David became discouraged, he left the people of God and the land of Israel and cast his lot with the Philistines instead, and now finds himself in a place he thought he would never be, among the ungodly, ready to fight against God's people. David started to think and act like a Philistine and was ready to fight with them against the people of God. But the Philistine leaders could see that this was not right, even when David couldn't. This is a reminder for us that when we are discouraged, instead of looking to the world for relief, we should look to Jesus because he gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. Now here's Pastor Rob. Hey, if you could open up your Bibles, let's open up to 1 Samuel 29. 1 Samuel 29. I've been so enjoying going through the book of Samuel. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of the Bible. Um, and I think part of the reason I love it so much is not only is it history, uh, biblical history, but it's so rich when we look at the character of, of certainly Saul and Samuel and David, which are really the three main characters of, of the book of Samuel, First Samuel anyway, and just to see what David went through and, and how God had uh, continued in spite of his own failings, because we know that there's none perfect other than God, right? We know that he alone is perfect. But all of his servants, all throughout history, are imperfect vessels. And and just to see God using a man like David, who, even though he had his issues like we all do, to, to understand that God... Uh, God knew what he wanted to accomplish through David's life. And David made his heart such, or he, I shouldn't say he made his heart such, he, he had it in his heart to, he loved God. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he loved the Lord, and he wanted to do everything to please him. And, and so it's one of my favorite books in, in the Bible. And I'm really looking forward to Second Samuel, which we'll be getting into probably the week after next. Um, but tonight we're in chapter 29. Last week, we looked at chapter 28, which was a, uh, a really kind of very dark uh, chapter, certainly in the life of Saul, who had continued to rebel and continued to 
uh, push back on God's uh, grace and his calling for his life. But Saul was made of different stuff than David, and David made his mistakes, and we're going to see, we've already seen him uh, in his unbelief and just being his, his character being somewhat erratic um, as he is running and as he is uh, fearful, which we all can go through fearful times in our life. There's, none of us are immune to fear, but it's what we do with the fear. That is the thing that is the difference. And David, he ran, and he had his moments, but Saul really never recovered. Saul was always one of those who were just always fighting against the Lord and not doing what the Lord wanted him to do. And, and it's true in any, um, any area of authority, that authority is under authority. And when that authority ceases to be under God's authority and thinks that somehow they, they can control their own destiny, that's a, that's a person, an individual that is in a lot of trouble because we are all under authority. You know, when we were young kids, we were under the authority of our parents. When we became older and out from our parents, we were still under the authority of certainly our our. our um, our employers, and certainly those who um, perhaps hold banknotes against us. You know, if you have a mortgage on a house, you have bankers, and you have a bank that is an authority over you. You're a creditor, you're a debtor, if you will, to them. And so we're never really away from this place. And, um, but Saul did not do well. And we're, gonna, we're seeing his, we saw last week, really his his final opportunity really to really repent. And instead of turning to God, he ultimately turned to... He did try to give Saul some credit here. He, he did seek the Lord, but there, there is a point, and this is the scary part of this uh, chapter last week, is there does come a point in the life of a human being when they have shunned God's grace and shunned him so much that God gives us what we ask for. And Saul had gotten to that place. And it's an invisible line for every human being, especially for every Christian or, or non-Christian. There is this invisible line that we don't know where that is. And it's, God is gracious no matter what. But we don't know how far we can go before God says, you know, that's, that's, that's it. I've given you all of the opportunities that I'm going to give you. And God is very inexhaustible when it comes to his grace. He is plenteous in grace and mercy. But there are times when human beings, we can push that so much where God has to, he has to intervene. And that's what he did in, in Saul's life. And so we never want to get to that place, right? <laughs> we don't want to push the Lord to that limit. I never want to, but I have. I have pushed him, and he's pushed me right back, and I'm really glad he did. He did it in love. Um, and so we're looking, uh, we looked at chapter 28 last week, which was uh, Saul consulting the witch at Endor. And as we look at chapter 29, this is really going to pick up the narrative, if you will, from chapter 27. Um, if you go back, you don't have to do it now, but when we were in chapter 27, it was really after David had, um, he consulted uh, Achish, this king of Gath, and then chapter 28 uh, was really like a parenthesis, if you will, a parenthesis in what was happening in David's life with this Philistine king. And so consider chapter 8 like a, a parenthetical chapter because 27, 28, 29, and 30, they all are very, happening very short with one another as far as time is concerned. And sometimes there's a lot of overlap and, and things are happening at the same time. So when you read these chapters, 
um, especially uh, 28, 29, and 30, they're all happening within probably 24 to 48 hours from one another, somewhere in that range, okay? So it's happening very, and even 72 hours, I would imagine. So let's look at this. Based on what we've read in, um, or what we're going to read in chapter 29 and 30, it seems that while David is here, we're going to see him again fraternizing with the Philistines and, and willing, it seems, to even fight against his own people, the Jews, that the Amalekites are at the same time, or in a rough period of time, a short period of time, they are uh, raiding the town of Ziklag, which David and his men had been staying in, that Achish had given David, and, um, and we're going to find that the Amalekites, around the same time that David is kind of playing footloose and fancy free with the Philistines, at the very same time, the Lord is allowing Ziklag, David's wives, all of the peoples, all the men with him, their wives and their kids, to be taken captive by the Amalekites. And he was in a place that he ought not to have been anyway. And so... He should have at least been back in Ziklag. What was he doing fighting with Achish, the Philistines, fighting his own people? You have to ask yourself the question. It's insanity. They were the perennial enemy of Israel, and here he is fraternizing with them, even being willing to go to battle with them against his own people. I'm so glad that the Lord intervened in his life and didn't allow it to occur. But we see him in his unbelief, in his, uh, in his fear. So let's look at verse 1 of chapter 29. It says, Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain, which is in Jezreel. Now, if you were to look at a map of Israel, um, you would see that in the northern part of Israel, there's a town of Aphek, which is... Uh, in the corner, um, really in the northern part on the west coast of the Mediterranean Sea, somewhere um, between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, but on the uh, west coast. And Aphek is at that place. And Aphek ought to remind us of something that happened earlier in this chapter. And specifically, if I were you, I'd write in your margin of verse 1 there. Just put in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1. Or you can just put 4, verse 1. Because Aphek, we're going to see, is going to be a reminder to the Israelites of their first defeat there against the Philistines. In fact, let me just read it to you as you're writing it in your margin. Because this, this place, Aphek, is the exact same place where the Philistines battled against Israel and defeated them years prior to this, taking the Ark of the Covenant. And this happened during the days when Eli was the priest and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who you remember were evil men who were serving alongside of his father. But it says in 1 Samuel 4, verse 1, it says that it says, Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek, and the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And um, what had happened, at the, and I'm just going to paraphrase the rest of it until we get down to chapter or verse 10. The, the Israelites saw themselves in a bad place, so they, they, they call for the Ark of the Covenant to go into battle with them. 
So they bring the Ark of the Covenant, and it's funny how they related to the Ark. They, they, they referred to it as it. You know, bring out the Ark that it may save us. But who is it that really saved them from the Philistines, or would have saved them from the Philistines in that battle back in chapter 4? Was it the Ark, or was it the God of the Ark? It's the God of the Ark. See, they were so focused on this box, which is a, a very important piece of furniture. Because <laughs> it was in the temple, it was in the tabernacle, and it had the, the Ten Commandments and, and other articles inside that. So it was a very important um, article for the children of Israel. But they put so much emphasis on that rather than on the God of Israel. And God allowed them in that battle. He allowed them not only to be taken captive, but for the ark to be stolen. And then there would be 30,000 men of Israel that would die that day. And, of course, we know that Eli and his sons would also die that very same day. His two sons in the battle, and then Eli, he fell over backward. Uh, he was a very large, the Bible says that he was a fat man. Boy, isn't that um, politically incorrect to say today? He was a fat man, and I, I love the Bible that says he was a fat man. And so he fell over backwards, broke his neck, he died. Poor guy. But in verse 10 it says, So the Philistines fought, Israel was defeated, every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell, there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. And the reason I bring this up is because this is a, a psychological, now they're back at the same place in this chapter that we're looking at. And David is there with them. David and his 600 men are there with Achish, the king of, of, of the Philistine city of Gath. He is there with them at Aphek. Now, for the, for the Jew, that was a psychological no-no for them because they got beat really bad the last time they met there. And now the Philistines are gathering at the same place. It's sort of like having home court advantage. There's a lot of psychology, a lot of psychological things going on in people's, you know, you, you, remember, you know what it's like when you fail at a certain place, you're less likely to want to go back to that same place because you're like, you remember the failure and it already does something to you. And so the Jews are thinking that. But the Philistines are emboldened. They're thinking, wow, we're going to take care of business. So this is a very unique moment. In verse 2 it says, And the lords of the Philistines noticed they passed in review by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. So here they are. The Philistine army is going out into battle against the Jews. And in the very back is Achish and his army. Because remember, there were many um, towns, many cities going to battle together, and David and his men are in the rear of this battle array that's going against his own people. So then the princes of the Philistines said, verse 3, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, and Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. And that was Achish's way of saying uh, he believed that David defected to him, and, and it looked like that. D David was there temporarily, but Achish thought, I've got this guy under my, you know, he's one of my best guys now, and I can use this lad, <laughs> you know, in battles. So he's thinking something different. So... Achish believed that David was an ally, but David's heart was not really with Achish. David was hiding in fear and being the hypocrite. 
So David deceived Achish, and we saw this back in chapter 21. Remember when he was there the first time, and he feigned to be mad, scratching on the, on the doorposts and letting spit come down his beard, which was very shameful for a Jew. And, and he acted mad. And, that, and now, you know, so that was the first time that David met this man. And again, in chapter 27, David had greatly deceived Achish even further by claiming that he was, he was going to be down in Ziklag, which is down in the, in the northern part, I'm sorry, in the southern part of, of Judah. Um, Ziklag is down there on, the, on that border on the southern part of Israel. And Achish had given him that city. And one of the nice things about David being in that city is David would protect the Philistines from the bands of marauders that would come up from the south, the Jeshurites, the Gerzites, the Amalekites. He would be sort of like a border for the Philistines. And that's why Achish gave him that land, because he could be a sort of a guard to him there. And so, but the thing that Achish didn't know, Achish wanted him to be down there to take care of business of the Philistines' enemies down there. But what David was doing is he was going against. See, Achish said, stay down in Ziklag and, and then, you know, fight against the enemies of the Philistines, which would include the, Ju- the people of, 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 of Judah and those areas, the Kenites, and we, we see those lists of peoples. But what David did is he attacked the enemies of the Israelites. He went down and attacked the Jeshurites, the Gerzites, the Amalekites, and then told Achish when he brought back the spoil, Achish would say, where, where have you been today, David? Oh, just, you know, down south there, you know, uh, to the people of Judah. I've been, you know, taking care of the, my enemy, you know, Israel. And, and Achish bought it. He bought it. He just hook, line, and sinker. He believed him. But David was really doing the exact opposite. He was taking out the, the, the Jewish enemies. And so in verse 4 it says, But the princes of the Philistines were angry with Achish, or angry, angry with David. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow, make David return. Tell, tell him to go back to Ziklag, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him, and do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? So these men weren't dumb. You know, as David is, is coming in the, the rear of the, of the battle, as it's going out, they're thinking to themselves, they don't trust David, and they were right not to trust him. But Achish was still deceived by David's acting abilities. David deceived Achish. And what better time to do that than right in the middle of the war, and David's men would attack the Philistines and ingratiate himself to who? Israel again. So they have no trust in him, and they had very good reason not to trust him. And it says, Is not this David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And then Achish called, verse 6, David, and said to him, Surely, as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. So the other Philistine rulers, they did not trust him for good reason. But notice the praise that Achish is heaping upon David. Completely deceived this man. And David must have been a good actor. Of course he was. He was a musician. (laughs) Because I am one, a musician, 
I know that musicians have this wonderful, they're, they're actors, they're, 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 they, can, they, can, they, can do it, they can do it all. And so they're very artsy, they know how to you know, act, they know how to sing, they can dance, they can play a tune. You know? And so, um, and for all, any of you who are musicians, you're, you're all laughing at me, I can see you. But that's okay, you know it's true, that's why you're smiling. So, verse 7, it says, Therefore return now and go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And remember, Achish, he was the king of Gath, one of the cities of the Pentapolis. We call it a Pentapolis because it was five Philistine cities. We know that they are Gaza, Ashkelon, Ekron, Ashdod, and certainly Gath. These are five Philistine cities. And so all of these kings... And all their armies are together now against Israel. So verse 8, it says, So David said to Achish, But what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you, that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Really, David? Your lord the king is Achish? Have you, do you have amnesia, David? Did, somebody, did, you, did you trip over an olive, you know, an olive root or something like that on the ground and, and hit your head and you, now you, you, you've got amnesia? Have you lost your mind? Temporarily, David was not in the right place. And again, this is a very sticky place for David, a very sticky place. Because remember, earlier in the book of Samuel, what did David say when he had opportunities on at least two occasions to kill Saul? What did he say? Even to his men. His men would have gladly killed Saul for him, but David said, no, don't put your hand against the Lord's anointed. If God wants to get rid of him and put me in his place, he's going to do it his way, his time, and by whatever means he chooses. It is not me that I should get in the way of this. And he was rightfully, rightfully to think that way. And what's interesting, and yet it appears that he would have if Achish would have let him, and maybe David knew that the Philistine lords wouldn't allow him to go into battle. I think that he probably knew that they, he knew the temperature of the room. He knew that these Philistine lords were not comfortable with him. Achish was the only one who was hook, line, and sinker. He's a great man. Look at him. He's great. And they're like, no, he's not. He's not great. Get him out of here. And they're like, this guy can't go with us. They weren't snowed by him. And I think David knew ultimately that their opinion of him would have sway. But he was able to play the game and, uh, and, and make it look like to Achish, man, I would do anything. Why can't I go? Oh, come on, man. Let me go into battle with you. I've proven myself all this time. I mean, come on. And, and he knew in his heart that it wasn't going to happen, I think. I believe. And I'm glad that Achish didn't say, you know what? I know that they don't want you to be around here, but just stay quietly in the back. No one will notice. I'm really glad that didn't happen. Because think about what would have happened if David would have really gone out to battle. And if David found himself, he would have found himself in a very unusual, very sticky place. Do I kill my own brothers? Or do I defect right now and, or, or, or turn the tables I mean, who could blame the Philistine lords? To them, David was a liability. And what a ruse, again, it would be if David was in the middle of the battle and then turned against them. Thank God, again, that it didn't happen. And, I'm, and David also should be thankful that God didn't allow this. This would have been an incredible stain on his career, an incredible stain, one that I, don't, I think that the children of Israel might not have forgiven him if he would have killed any one of his countrymen, of his own Jews. 
So verse 9, Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Wow, this guy is just, he's, he's like a deceptive sponge. Achish is this just... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.